Well, good morning again. We are continuing. And if you're here every week, this will begin to sound like a broken record, but we are continuing to work our way through the Gospel of John. Our goal and our purpose has never been to get through the Gospel of John. Our goal has always been to get the Gospel of John through us. And I hope you're beginning to understand that that's two different things. Um, There are three primary ways we're trying to do this. Number one is that seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses this little phrase, I am. Over the course of these, whatever it is, 10 weeks, we're going to look at two or three of those I am's. Where Jesus, for example, says, I am the good shepherd and I am the light of the world. The second thing we're doing is we're looking at um, what John calls our signs. Matthew, Mark, and Luke call them miracles. John calls them signs. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have 20-something of the miracles, not John. John only has seven miracles, and he always calls them signs. He wants us to understand that when Jesus performs a miracle, we can point to Jesus and recognize this miracle points to Jesus and reminds us that, yes, Jesus really is the Son of God. That's why he uses the word signs. So we have these phrases, and then we have these signs. And the last thing we do is we're looking at key words. Key words make a difference. I don't know how many people that study this would tell us that you and I have X number of words in our vocabulary. We really do. And uh, when we write letters or we write text messages or email or just in our everyday conversation, there's certain words that we use over and over and over again. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons most evangelical commentators do not believe that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. You know, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. But most people that say it was not Paul is simply because the words that are used in Hebrews are different than the general words that Paul uses in his 13 letters. But over the course of these next seven or eight or ten weeks, we're going to look at some of these. We've already looked at two key words in the Gospel of John. We've looked at the word believe and we've looked at the word world. This morning we're going to look at a different one. But let's just take a step back and remind ourselves of how important these words are. Let's just think about the word believe. Depending on which Bible translation you prefer, the word believe appears 449 times between Genesis and Revelation. Now, there's 66 books in the Bible, and if you just kind of do the Steve Anderson math in your head, if there's 449 places where the word believe appears, and if there's 66 books in the Bible, that would say somewhere around seven times in each book the word believe should appear. But it's, it's not that way. In the Gospel of John, the word believe appears 124 times, not seven. So it means something to John, and it should mean something to us to try and understand what does it mean to believe. The second big word we looked at was the word world, for God so loved the world. The word world appears 238 times from Genesis to Revelation. So if you do the math and you divide by 66, what is that? That's like four times. If the word world appeared in equally all the 66 books of the Bible, it would appear four times in the Gospel of John, but that's not true. It appears 57 
57 of the 238 times in the Gospel of John. Now this morning we're going to look at the word no. And because nobody ever memorizes this, we're going to look at the word no, the, the K-N-O-W, okay? Not the N-O-W, the K-N-O-W. The word no appears 478 times in just the New Testament, okay? So divide that by 27. It appears 18 or 19 times if it was equally divided among the 27 books, but it's not. It appears 83 times in the Gospel of John. So, and in fact, there's no book in the New Testament that has the word no appear more than that. So what I want us to do is I want us to see if we can come to understand what does it mean to know Jesus as your Savior? What does that mean? Is that just head knowledge? Or do you really know Jesus as your friend? So let me read through a couple of verses and open your Bible to John chapter 6. And I'm going to read, I don't know, 6, 8, 10 verses here. And I just want us to pause and think about the word no. Now remember, the word no appears 83 times in the Gospel of John. In John 6, 69, Peter said, we have come to believe and to know Follow with me, friends. Think of this. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now you just have to go back. How did, how did Peter ever come to that decision to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God? Turn the page. Go to John 8.32 where Jesus said, Then you will know the, tr- you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth. What does that mean? To know the truth. Turn the page. Go to John 9.25. This is one of the, the... I love this verse. I love this whole story in John chapter 9. It's the story of the blind man. Do you remember this, you, those of us who've been hanging around church for a while? We know this story in John chapter 9. And the people in the town came up to Jesus, and their big question was, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, this isn't about sin. This is so that the glory of God can be revealed right here in your city. John 9 verse 25. This is a great question. They come to the blind man and they said, who is that guy that healed you? Was he a sinner? And the blind man says in verse 25, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind and now I can see. Can't you just picture that conversation in Jerusalem? Was the guy that healed you, was he a sinner? And the guy that was blind all his life, he said, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind. And now I can see. There's something about this knowing. Go to John 10. Turn the page. John 10, verse 4. Jesus said, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Because why? Because they know, they know his voice. Do you? Has God ever spoken to you through his word, through a prayer? Do you know his voice? Would you recognize it if he's talking to you? 
John 10, 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I know who they are. And my sheep know me. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 14, 7, Jesus said, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. John 14, 17, Jesus, now speaking about the Holy Spirit, John 14, 17 said, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And the last verse we're going to look at of the 83. John 17, 3, Jesus praying to his heavenly Father on the night before he went to the cross and was crucified. He said this, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now let's just think about this. There's more than one word in the Greek New Testament that gets translated into the English as the word know. But this know, this one we're talking about, is a crazy little world that I can promise you, you will never use this word again outside of this building. Because you start going up and down the sidewalks of Sioux Falls and you start using this word gnosko, people will look at you like you're from another planet. They won't understand we belong to another kingdom. They'll just think you're from another planet. So here's this word gnosko. Let me just, I'm not going to over... Nobody wants to get burned out on these words. It's gnosko. It's a small g, soft g, and a soft i. And the two O's are hard, long. Gin, it's not gin, it's gin osko. And that's the word we're going to come back to a couple times this morning. That's the word that gets translated into this word know, which means to gain information or knowledge through some sort of personal experience. Now the English word, we've got a word that comes from that. The word is prognosis, and that's from the same Greek word. It's, we would use the word prognosis, and you're familiar with this word. Um, it's common that you would hear that word, along with the word diagnosis. If you're having trouble with something, and you go to the doctor, and the doctor, he or she, would do an examination on you, it would be quite common for them to say something, well, now the prognosis is good. Okay? You can understand that. The prognosis is good. Based on our examination and the tests that we've run, I would say you've got a good outlook on this, and we're going to get this problem, whatever it is, it's, in a short time it'll all be behind us. But some of us have been to the doctor, we've had family and friends that go, and they say, well, the prognosis is not good. So you've heard that words, right? They've done this thorough examination. They're well acquainted with whatever it is the problem we have. They say, well, it's, it's not good. We can try and help with the pain, but the long-term battle here is, is not going to be fun. It's not going to be good. So we understand this word now, gnosko, and then we understand we see the word prognosis. Well, this word, gnosko, is different from the kind of knowledge that is solely based on knowing facts. For example, let me give you the difference. When I ask you the question, do you know Jesus? I mean, do you, do you really know him? And does he know you? You'll understand, that's a different kind of no than when I tell John that I know that 9th Street is between 8th and 10th. 
right? That's like a no-brainer. I know that 9th Street is between, it's halfway between 8th Street and 10th Street. But if you ask me, do I know Jesus? Well, that... I mean, it's easy to, yes, of course I know Jesus, but I'm asking you, really? Do you know what his voice sounds like? Does he know you? And, and what would that be based on? So now remember, gnosko means knowledge gained through a personal experience. I want to show you how this, how this works. Keep one hand in John, your other hand, go way back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, the first verse says this. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Okay, now that's, that's a different knowing, right? But that's a kind of knowing, a very intimate kind of knowing that's based only on personal experience. In the New King James, which, by the way, I think is the same exact word for word as the King James in Genesis 4.1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. The updated version of the NIV uses a little more um, everyday common street language in Genesis 4. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Now, without getting into all kinds of particular details, it's easy for us to understand from Genesis 4.4 that when it says Adam knew Eve, his wife, that we're talking about a very intimate, personal knowledge of each other. Now, hold on. There's two Testaments, right? An Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. New Testament is written in Greek. So if you ask me, is this word new or no, a form? No, it's a whole different word. And this word in the Old Testament is yada. Yada, yada, yada. That's one of the definitions of knowing people in a real personal way. But it's the same thing. It's translated the same way as the English word. Now go to John 10, 14. When Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Well, that knowing is not just some kind of academic head knowledge. It's entirely different than knowing that 9th Street is between 8th and 10th. I've shared my testimony with some of you, and I suppose I shared this way back when I was first interviewed by the deacon board. There was a time in my life well, I would guess there was a time in most of our lives when I could tell you with a straight face, and I believe this from the bottom of my heart, I know that there are two Testaments. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. I know it. I know that Jesus had 12 disciples. I know it. And I know there are 10 commandments. I know it. And I know, beyond any shadow of doubt, I know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I know it. And I know, because I've heard this over and over and over and over again in Sunday school, I know that Jesus went to the cross and died and was buried and rose again. I know that. But that didn't make me a Christian. All that kind of knowing, that's the same kind. That's just academic head knowledge. I've memorized facts. 
That's the same kind of knowing as knowing that 9th Street is between 8th Street and 10th Street. That's all that is. And knowing all that stuff doesn't make me a Christian. So my question this morning to all of us is, do you know Jesus? Do you really? Do you know Jesus in a real and personal way? Or is it just head knowledge that you can just recite a bunch of facts about the New Testament? Yes, I know there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. I know there's four Gospels. I know there's 27 books. I know it's written in Greek, and I know Jesus died on the cross. But that doesn't make you a Christian. Now, let's look at some of those verses again. Some of those same verses. I'm just read through them quickly. John 10, 4, when he had brought out all his own sheep, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Okay, I've had, I, I don't know how many times I could honestly say I have, Sharon and I have had these experiences. We, we just felt the Lord was leading us to make this decision or that decision. And many of you have had those same experiences. But as far as I can remember, there's only been one time in my life where I ever felt that God was speaking to me with a voice I could hear. It was incredible. Now, if, Scott, if you'd have been riding in the car with me and we'd have turned on your cell phone to record, I don't think it would have picked up any sound. But I had an experience one day where I... I was convinced that God had spoken to me in the car. And I was from here, I was three, four hundred miles away, and I got to where I was going, and I called Sharon, and I said, you aren't going to believe it. But it was, it was the most clear, even though it wasn't audible, I believed that God was speaking to me. When he had brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. 10.14, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. 10.27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Can you imagine Jesus saying that he knows you? I mean, I don't know what it's... Just imagine that you take your last breath and in the blink of an eye you're standing there at the pearly gates and we, you know, we can imagine what this is like and you're knocking at the door and St. Peter doesn't want to let you in and, and uh, you say, well, tell him your name's John Merchant. Tell him John Merchant's here and, and Jesus, I know him. <clears throat> let him in. You know, I, heaven is a real place. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's a very real place. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. John 14, 7. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. John 17, now this, 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now I, I found this sentence because I found this sentence because it makes more sense than anything I can say. Let me read this. Knowledge acquired through an intellectual process of learning is one thing. So I suppose, well, I don't suppose, there really was a time when I was what? 
three years old, four years old, when my mom and dad taught me how to count from one to ten. How old are you? I think the town and family I grew up, that was about age 14. But some of us grew up in, I think all our grandkids, Sharon, how old are you when you can count to ten? One? Two? Okay, that's head knowledge when you can count to ten. And then if you can do that at two, then at age three, you can easily figure out that Ninth Street is between eighth and tenth, right? Three years old. That's a different kind of knowledge than this. But knowledge gained by having an active relationship between the one who knows and the person being known, that's a different kind of knowledge. And knowing Jesus by having an active, ongoing relationship with him, that's what every single person here should desire. That we want to know Christ. And we want him to know us. You know, in Philippians 3.10, the Apostle Paul said this, I want to know Christ. Now, what, what kind of knowing do you think he was talking about? Do you think he wanted to know, like, the kind of stuff you can read in a textbook? Or no. He wanted to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. And I want him to know me. And the kind, that kind of knowing only comes through spending time with somebody else. I, I'm convinced that the only way you can ever get to know someone is if you spend time together. So 47 years ago, I got invited to this singles Bible study for college people. And there was this girl there named Sharon Peterson. And she caught my eye. Did I know her? No, I didn't have any idea who she was. But if you'd have said, do you know who Sharon Peterson is? Well, yeah, I know who she is. She's that girl at the Bible study. And now 47 years later, I'm still learning new things about her. She's got me all figured out. She had that years ago, but I'm still in this learning, knowing stage. So it's easy you can say you know a person, but you don't really know that person until you spend time together. Now, let me turn to one of the, what I think is one of the most, turn to Matthew 7, and then we'll bring this to a close. I think this is one of the, there's two or three passages in the New Testament that just break my heart. And this is one of them. They are the uh, saddest, is that a word, saddest? Who's the English grammar? Is that a word? Saddest? These two or three things are the saddest things in the New Testament. But let me read this. Matthew 7, and I'm going to read three verses beginning in 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Let me... Let me give you the Steve Anderson translation here. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not try to go to church every Sunday? Did we not join a small group Bible study? Did we not put money in the offering? Did we not send our kids to camp? And in your name, perform many miracles? In verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
There were people in Jesus' day who thought they were friends of his, and they liked listening to his stories, but Jesus called them evildoers. Away from me, I never knew you. So Jesus knows us, but do you know him? I mean, really? Do you really know him? Based on the amount of time that you personally spend with Jesus alone, let me just think about that. Based on the amount of time that you personally spend with Jesus alone, would you say that you know him? Or that he's just, well, he's out there someplace. Or would he say that he knows you? Or that he hardly knows you at all? You see, it's not, based on, it's not based on how much time my grandma Anderson spent reading and praying and reading her Bible. It has nothing to do with that. And she was a wonderful woman, a wonderful Christian lady. And I look forward to seeing her again when I get to heaven. But that, her faith has nothing to do with mine. My faith has to be my own. I need to make it. So, based on the amount of time that you personally spend reading your Bible and studying your Bible and trying to apply what you read to your life, would you say that you know Jesus or would you say that you just barely, if at all, know him? So let me close by, this, by saying this. The goal of a, every Christian should be to know Christ and to be like him. That should be our goal. We should have no other goal ahead of that. We should always be pursuing to know Christ and to let him live his life through us. Christianity is not a religion of rules and rituals that we need to work at keeping in order to climb the ladder to heaven. That's not how this works. Christianity is being in a right relationship with Jesus, the Son of God, recognizing that he is the long-awaited Messiah. He's the Savior of the world who shed his blood on the cross and died, was buried, and rose again so that you and I could have eternal life. Our goal is to know him and to become more like him. So let's close in prayer. We're going to ask the ushers to come and take this morning's offering. And then we'll take a five-minute break or so, and then we'll come back in here for some questions and answers. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for reminding us of the importance of getting to know you. And God, as, as we think about those, those big fancy Hebrew and Greek words, we're reminded that in the same way that Adam was in an intimate relationship with Eve, that you want to have that same intimate relationship with us. So help us to focus on cleaning the clutter from our lives and allowing time to walk with you. So God, thank you for loving us. It isn't based on our good works. It's based on our faith. Thank you for loving us long before we ever loved you. And we ask that you'd forgive us where we fall short. We thank you for this offering we're about to take. We thank you for each gift and for each giver. We, Lord, we continue to pray for the ministry here at Cross Point and for the ministry across town at Connection and ask that your will would be done in that situation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.